Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on bluenile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Story time. My name is Adam. I'm a Navy SEAL a warrior forged by sweat, grit, and a relentless pursuit of excellence. Home is where my heart lies, with my loving wife and two beautiful daughters. They are my beacon. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one, with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. 
beacon of light amidst the darkest of storms, my anchor in turbulent seas. The serenity of a quiet evening was shattered by the shrill ring of a phone. I knew what it meant, duty was calling. A quick goodbye kiss to my girls, a firm embrace with my wife, and I was off, boarding the Black Hawk with my team of eleven hardened seals, men I trusted with my life. Our destination was an oil rig in the middle of the ocean, a mechanical behemoth now shrouded in unnerving silence. All communication had abruptly ceased, and it was our job to find out why. As we landed on the rig, we were met not by the expected crew, but by something far more terrifying, an unknown aquatic creature of monstrous proportions. Its scales shimmered with a menacing iridescence, its eyes burning with a predatory intelligence. The rig had become its kingdom. We, the invaders, were met with relentless fury. The creature lunged, its vast form whipping through the air, and my brothers fell one by one. The rig, groaning under the strain of the battle and the creature's monstrous weight, was a ticking time bomb, ready to explode at any moment. In the midst of the chaos, I remembered my training. A creature of the ocean would likely have a sensitivity to sound, a weakness we could exploit. I rallied the remaining men, directing them to create a cacophony. We fired into the metal walls of the rig, the deafening echoes reverberating through the structure. The creature, disoriented and invisible pain, retreated, fleeing back into the depths from which it came. We, the surviving two, were left amidst the wreckage of the rig, the bodies of our fallen brothers a stark reminder of the cost of our victory. We returned to base, the grim silence filled with unspoken grief. Ten of my brothers had fallen, men of honor and courage. But we had survived, had fought an unknown terror and emerged victorious. As I embraced my waiting family, their joy was tinged with sadness, a reflection of the heavy price of the duty we bore. I work as a ranger at the Grand Canyon National Park in Arizona, and let me tell you, it's an incredible job. Not only do I get to witness the breathtaking beauty of nature, but I also have the opportunity to meet fascinating people from all walks of life. The park management takes great care of our accommodations, ensuring that our rooms and stations are comfortable and well-maintained. They even renovate them every year before the massive tourist rush. And the meals they provide are not only delicious but also fulfilling. I genuinely love my job. You may be aware that the Grand Canyon National Park shares a boundary with the Navajo region. As I patrol that side of the park, Visitors often ask me if I've had any strange experiences or if the Navajo people are spooky. According to our training sessions and briefings, the Navajo prefer to keep to themselves, which is why I haven't encountered them near the park. Or at least, I hadn't until the other day. It happened when I saw an older Navajo man, around 70 years old, near the park. He had a hunched back and was dressed in the typical Native American attire. Curious and concerned, I approached him and asked if he needed any assistance with navigation. He appeared lost. But as soon as I spoke, his eyes opened wide, and he grabbed my hands with an unexpectedly strong grip that even caused me some discomfort. I didn't expect the old man to possess such strength. With a firm hold on my hands, he pulled me closer, so we were staring directly into each other's eyes. 
His voice became hushed, and he spoke in a mysterious tone. He informed me that he had been searching for me since that morning and had only just found me. Bewildered, I asked if I knew him, but he dismissed that question as irrelevant. What he said next sent chills down my spine. He claimed he was seeking me out to warn me about my impending death. I was left speechless, unable to comprehend what he was saying. I repeatedly asked him who he was, trying to make sense of the situation. At that moment, I thought he must be delusional, given his age and the fantastical nature of his words. I shrugged off his warning and decided to guide him back to the gate that led to the Navajo region. As we approached the gate, I noticed some other Native Americans waiting for the old man. To my surprise, as soon as they saw him with me, they rushed toward us and swiftly whisked the old man away. Their speed and urgency made me wonder what was really going on. I watched them disappear into the distance and return to my daily duties, dismissing the encounter as an eccentricity of the old man. The rest of the day was uneventful, except for helping a couple who had lost their child in the park. Thankfully, we located the child after a thorough search. After sunset, I went back to my unit, took a break, ate some food, and tried to relax. I was lying on my bed, engrossed in a book when I heard a distant shriek. Although faint, it caught my attention, and I instinctively turned towards my radio, anticipating a message about the sound. But the radio remained silent. I waited for a few more moments, but there was no response. Shrugging it off as perhaps a trick of the wind, I returned to my reading. However, the same sound echoed through the night, this time louder and closer. Without hesitation, I sprang to my feet, already preparing myself for action. I thought maybe I was the only one who heard it, which seemed strange. Leaving my firearm behind, I rushed outside, following the direction from which the sound seemed to originate. It was a dark night, and the silence intensified the rustling noises that came from a distance. The shriek echoed once again, this time sounding like an injured animal in distress. I proceeded cautiously, moving slowly toward the source of the sound. As I neared the spot, my heart raced, and a chill ran down my spine. Something emerged from behind a tree, and I struggled to find words to describe what I saw. It was a figure, bent down on all fours, growling with drool dripping from its mouth. Instinctively, I reached for my flashlight and directed its beam toward the creature. What I saw in that moment sent shivers through my entire being. The creature hissed and locked its black, menacing eyes onto mine. Its gaze pierced through me, leaving me paralyzed with fear. I turned on my heels and sprinted back toward the safety of the ranger station. Panic consumed me as I realized I had left my firearm inside, but there was no time to retrieve it. The only thought on my mind was reaching the station and securing myself inside. I barged into the station, slamming the door shut behind me. I made my way to the security room and quickly checked the surveillance cameras. One of the cameras focused on the area outside the station, and to my horror, it revealed the creature chewing on something. I couldn't make out the details, but its inhuman actions sent a shiver down my spine. I remained inside the station, glued to the monitors, until the creature disappeared from sight, moving away on all fours. Only then did I double-check all the cameras to ensure it was truly gone. 
Feeling a mix of relief and lingering unease, I stepped outside and hurried straight to my room, locking the door behind me. The following day, I gathered the other rangers and shared the harrowing experience with them. We reviewed the recordings from the previous night, and their reactions mirrored my own fear and disbelief. From that moment on, we became extra vigilant during our shifts, especially during the night. However, the creature never made another appearance, leaving us to question the nature of what we had encountered. But what haunted me even more was the memory of the old man who had warned me. His words echoed in my mind, refusing to fade away. Had he known about the creature? Was there any truth to the stories he had shared? I couldn't shake off the sense of foreboding that lingered within me. Now, as a ranger at the Grand Canyon National Park, I remain on high alert, keeping a watchful eye on the surrounding wilderness. The beauty of the park continues to captivate visitors, but deep within me, I know that there are mysteries and dangers lurking just beyond the veil of its majestic landscapes. And as I continue my duties, I hold on to the memory of that encounter, a constant reminder to stay vigilant and respect the unknown forces that may dwell within the shadows of the Grand Canyon. I'm choosing to remain anonymous for this account. I was driving eastbound on Pleasant Hill Road, about one and a half miles west of Highway 164 in Richfield when something caught my attention on the side of the road. Curiosity peaked, I decided to slow down and take a closer look. I stepped out of my car, shining my flashlight into the darkness, and that's when I noticed something in the trees. Two large eyes were staring back at me, positioned high above the ground. It took me a few seconds to trace those eyes down to what appeared to be legs. The creature stood there motionless, illuminated by the light reflecting off its eyes. As I observed the figure, I couldn't help but notice its towering height, well over seven feet. It was covered in fine hair and had long arms and proportionally large legs. The creature stood upright like a person but had the legs of a dog. Strangely, there was no sound at all, just complete silence surrounding this enigmatic being. After observing it for several seconds, I returned to my car and drove off, fully convinced of what I had just witnessed. I can say with 100% certainty that it was not a bear or anything similar. Having encountered bears during my off-duty bear hunting excursions, I was familiar with their appearance. This creature had a distinct canine-like resemblance that set it apart. The area where this incident occurred is known for unexplained sounds, including peculiar cries and screams emanating from the forest. Interestingly, a close friend of mine also reported seeing two large figures with fur in the same vicinity. These figures were standing near a tree on the south side of the road, close to the shoulder. The road in that area is curvy, and my friend noticed I shine from these figures. He estimates that he observed them for about three seconds as his headlights illuminated the scene. He, too, is absolutely certain that he witnessed something unusual. Overwhelmed by the experience, he immediately called me while still driving. Around 45 minutes after his call, I joined him and we returned to the site. We brought our dog along, but every time we approached the area where the sighting occurred, our dog started whimpering and refused to go any closer. As we neared the spot, something suddenly startled us from behind. 
A loud growl emerged from a single location next to the road, then moved into the nearby trees, where it seemed like two animals were engaged in a fierce fight for about five seconds. We were taken aback by these disturbing sounds. It felt as though the creature or creatures were displaying aggression. We decided not to proceed further and stood there for a while, listening to the eerie silence of the woods. Realizing that we needed to leave the area swiftly, we quickly got back into our vehicle and drove away at top speed, making sure we were out of the vicinity in case any more disturbances occurred. I called my friend as we sped down the road, seeking solace in the fact that the noises had ceased. I appreciate you taking the time to read this lengthy account. I wanted to ensure that you had all the information necessary to understand our experiences. January 1, 1992. It was the early morning, and my wife and I were making our way back to Sandy from a fun day of sledding at Mount Hood. We were about six to seven miles from government camp, Oregon when something caught our attention. As we rounded a curve, we spotted a figure standing in the foot-deep snow near the creek. Intrigued, I decided to stop the car and get a closer look. I walked over to where the mysterious being stood, but as I approached, it gave me a disdainful glance, as if telling me to back off. Without further hesitation, it crossed the road and swiftly ran up a nearby bank. I stood there, mesmerized, for a total of three to four minutes, trying to process what I had just witnessed. The creature was truly awe-inspiring. It stood between seven to eight feet tall and had massive thighs and a remarkably broad waist, perhaps indicating that it was pregnant. Its arms hung down, extending to its knees, and its face was devoid of any hair. The skin on its face had a light leather color, while the rest of its body was covered in dark reddish-black hair, with patches of chocolate hues mixed in. The hair on its body was approximately 2 to 3 inches long, while the hair on its head reached around 4 inches in length. The encounter left us both intrigued and curious. We wanted to explore further, so on the 2nd of January, my friend Scott and I, along with a group from Salem, ventured back to the area to see if we could find any traces of the enigmatic creature. One of the members of our group diligently tracked the Bigfoot for four to five miles through the treacherous, snow-covered terrain. The snow was often four feet deep, making the task even more challenging. Eventually, however, the tracker had to give up and return, unable to keep up with the elusive creature. During our expedition, we managed to capture photographs of the distinct string of footprints left behind in the snow. These images served as evidence of our journey and the encounter we had experienced. It was a thrilling adventure, tinged with a mix of wonder and fascination. To this day, that encounter remains etched in my memory, serving as a constant reminder of the mysteries that surround us. The photographs and the stories we shared serve as testaments to the existence of creatures that defy conventional explanations. It was a glimpse into a world that exists beyond our understanding and it sparked a lifelong curiosity in me to unravel the secrets of the unknown. I'll never forget that eerie night in the wilderness. It was a camping trip like no other, filled with inexplicable encounters and strange occurrences. We stumbled upon a massive footprint, 
larger than anything we had ever seen before, and couldn't resist capturing photographs as evidence of our astonishing find. As we examined the area further, we discovered signs that something large had bedded down nearby, confirming our suspicions that we were not alone. As the evening settled in, the atmosphere became charged with an otherworldly energy. Strange noises echoed through the surrounding woods, and our senses were on high alert. Through the flickering glow of the campfire and lanterns, we started to catch glimpses of glowing red eyes peering back at us from the darkness. The presence of these mysterious beings unnerved some of our group members, and they urged us to leave. Reluctantly, we began to pack up our belongings. It was then that my wife placed our three-year-old daughter in her car seat. To our astonishment, our young daughter turned to my wife and calmly recounted seeing a big monkey leaning over the car, peering through the window at her. The revelation sent chills down our spines, confirming that there was indeed something extraordinary happening in our midst. Despite the initial fear and uncertainty, we decided to return to the same location on several occasions. As we became more familiar with these enigmatic creatures, we realized that they were not a threat to us. They would playfully run through our camp, causing a commotion and shaking our campers. They would even toss small objects at us, but never with the intent to harm. Rather than hurling large rocks in our direction, their projectiles consisted of pine cones, landing harmlessly nearby. We surmised that these beings had their own sense of mischievousness and curiosity. They seemed to understand that we posed no danger to them, and in turn, they did not pose a threat to us. Our coexistence became a peculiar dance, with the daytime hours devoted to our exploration of their territory, searching for any signs they might have left behind. However, it was during the nighttime when their true nature would come alive, as they reveled in their nocturnal activities. Intrigued by the unexplained, I joined a research group that specialized in studying these elusive creatures. They discovered that my ability to imitate their calls and screams proved effective in attracting their attention. It was an incredible and sometimes unnerving experience to have them respond to my calls, as if they recognized the familiar sounds of their own kind. The wilderness holds many secrets, and my encounters with these creatures have left an indelible mark on my life. The stories and experiences I have accumulated through these interactions only deepen my fascination with the unknown. Though the world may dismiss such accounts as mere folklore, for those who have witnessed the unexplained, it is a reminder that our understanding of the natural world is far from complete. First of all I have kept this to myself for many years, for fear that people would say we were nuts. It was early summer late spring my brother and I were test driving his new Toyota pickup, I guess it would be south and east of the Mill Creek watershed near the Wash, Oregon border. We had just crossed Mill Creek and passed the watershed entrance about a mile or so up the hill. The road was gravel and one side was steep embankment down into the gorge, and the other went straight up. We had stopped to take a leak on the side of the road. As I stand there I looked across the gorge. It was approximately 100 yards. And there on an old tree stump was this thing, just standing there motionless looking at us. It was about 2.30 or so in the afternoon clear sunny day about 75 degrees. I quickly turned to my brother who was standing at the other end of the truck and told him to look up on the hill. 
We both stood there looking at this thing look at us for a good five minutes. Or so. Then as if it were never there it turned and disappeared into the trees. It looked like a large hairy man kinda brownish with dark streaks and patches on the shoulders and hips and legs. It moved so quickly, it was there one second gone the next. I do not recall any significant smells but it was big whatever it was. We could not get to the area where it was standing due to the terrain so we could not see if there were any tracks. But if they are out there that area above Walla Walla is where they are. It sends a chill down my spine whenever I think about that unsettling incident back in mid-2014. I was living and working as a berry picker in Sala, Lapland, Finland at the time. The vast, picturesque landscapes of Lapland had always captivated me, but little did I know that I would soon be caught up in a bewildering mystery. It was a typical day, and as evening approached, I found myself waiting for a lift back to my apartment. I remember making a call to my contact, eager to share something unusual that had been unnerving me. Something weird is following me, it's like a dog or something, I whispered into the phone. Fear tingled in the back of my mind, but before I could delve deeper into the conversation, my cell phone abruptly switched off. It was either a drained battery or a deliberate act on my part. What happened next is still shrouded in confusion and unanswered questions. I vanished without a trace. Despite exhaustive efforts by the authorities, no tracks were found in the vicinity, neither human nor animal. The mysterious disappearance prompted a police investigation, initially labeling it a total mystery. However, their stance swiftly changed, dismissing it as an animal attack and ceasing further search operations. It seemed as if they were intentionally diverting attention and downplaying the incident, urging everyone to move on. The search parties, initially composed of Finnish military and police personnel, were abruptly disbanded. The involvement of my co-workers, who knew me well and spoke my language, was severely restricted. What started as a joint effort gradually transformed into a military and police operation shrouded in secrecy. They discovered a bucket of berries and my intact clothes at the scene, which the police later claimed were left there by my co-workers. It struck me as odd that they hadn't handed over these items directly to the officials, instead choosing to abandon them deep within the forest. No traces of blood, no footprints, no signs of struggle or any clue as to what could have happened to me. In the area where I vanished, bears and wolves are known to inhabit, but their behavior didn't align with the circumstances surrounding my disappearance. Bears tend to avoid humans, and wolf attacks typically occur in packs. So, what was the strange creature that I saw, and why did I abruptly end the phone call out of fear? The only description provided was that of a large, dog-like dark animal. There was no information regarding whether it walked on two legs or not. What perplexes me even more is the subsequent silence surrounding the incident. The Finland National Broadcast Network, YLE, which was then state-owned, has erased any mention of the case from its website. The mainstream Finnish media has remained conspicuously silent, with only tabloids occasionally alluding to the incident. It strikes me as odd because in our small country, even minor events make national news. While it's possible to attribute this to a mere animal attack, 
The circumstances surrounding the incident leave me uneasy. The abrupt end to my phone call, the heavy military presence, the removal of information from the news, and the swift conclusion of the search operation all raise red flags. Additionally, the description of the creature itself defies logical explanation, as does the absence of any tracks. In that area, the only plausible options for a large, dark creature are bears or perhaps moose, but bear attacks on humans are rare, and I cannot recall any such incidents. In previous encounters involving bears, they would stumble upon someone and quickly retreat. The truth behind what happened to me remains elusive, buried beneath a veil of secrecy and unanswered questions. It serves as a haunting reminder that even in the serene beauty of Lapland's wilderness, there are enigmas lurking just beyond our understanding. I've been hesitant to share this story, but it's been weighing on my mind for over a year now. It's a strange occurrence that happened one morning, and I still can't find a logical explanation for it. So here goes. I should mention that I'm a heavy sleeper, relying on multiple alarms to wake me up in the morning. Sudden noises around the house rarely disrupt my slumber. However, on this particular morning, something happened that jolted me awake. I heard my mom's voice shouting, for God's sake. The sound came from the hallway, just outside my bedroom door. At first, I assumed she was scolding our cat for getting into some mischief. Feeling groggy, I chose to ignore it and attempted to drift back to sleep. But before I could fully succumb to slumber, I heard the creaking of my bedroom door opening. My mom entered, her face filled with concern. What's wrong? She asked. Confused by her question, I rolled over and replied, nothing. I didn't say anything. Her expression became even more bewildered, and she insisted, but you shouted for me. I couldn't comprehend what she was saying because I knew I hadn't uttered a word. In fact, I never sleep talk, neither before nor after this incident. It simply wasn't something I did. The situation grew stranger when I realized that we both heard each other's voices, saying completely different things. It was as if there were two parallel conversations taking place. How could this be? It couldn't have been an external person since we live alone. So, who or what could have spoken those words? To this day, this baffling incident still unnerves me. I've racked my brain trying to find a rational explanation, but nothing seems to fit. If anyone out there can shed some light on this or has experienced something similar, please share your insights. I'm eager to find some semblance of understanding and put this eerie mystery to rest. This story was one that my dad told me after I told him about the experience I had. The story goes it was late afternoon early evening when my dad let the family dog out. The dog was outside making a strange sound almost a growling winning sound. My father went out to see what was wrong when he seen a brownish creature leaning against the tree with one arm resting on tree. From where my dad stood he could see the side of this thing. He said it stood around 7 feet tall and it had hair hanging down from this arm. The dog still making sounds my father yelled at him to come. This thing then turned and faced my father looked at him for around 10 to 15 seconds then casual walked off into the woods that surrounded our home. 
My father said the thing was around 50 to 100 yards away from him. After the incident my father went out to the tree it was lianning against and found some brownish hair. He didn't tell anyone till 95 when I called telling him I had just saw a big foot, he then told me this story. Where I seen a creature passed on the roadway was less than 5 miles from where my dad seen one by our home. Gives me goosebumps just thinking about it. You don't know how many times I walked home late at night from a friend's house out in the boonies with just a flashlight. I wouldn't do that again for nothing. This happened back in February and I just want to know what I heard. My boyfriend and I and a couple of friends decided to try winter camping and threw together a quick camping trip. We got to the park late and ended up camping two miles into the park directly on the trail. Everyone else fell asleep quickly and I stayed up. I'm already wary of the woods and I didn't love that nobody put their food up. This is in the Appalachian Mountains and I wasn't crazy about waking up to a black bear looking for food. Approximately around midnight I heard what sounded exactly like the Nazgul screams from the Lord of the Rings movies. It sounded like one scream and then others joined in until it was one very loud scream from many voices then died off. It made the hair on the back of my neck stand up and I immediately woke up my boyfriend and begged him to stay up with me all night. He thinks I heard coyotes, but I have never in my life heard coyotes make that sound and also he didn't hear the screaming. We weren't near any towns, it sounded like it was on the top of the mountains where it's all woods and we were camped at the base. The only thing I can think of is sirens but I've never heard sirens like that and I don't see why there would be multiple, and it sounded too animal-like. It also wasn't an elk, we don't have them in our area and even if we did it didn't sound like the elk audio recordings I listened to. I was riding my horse above a friend's place looking for an old mine that was supposed to be up there. There were no trails so I made my way through the trees and using deer trail. I was making one last look-see before heading back down, following a deer trail and suddenly, the same time my horse stopped, snorting and spooked, smelled this god-awful smell. The horse would not take another step forward and kept trying to turn away and head down the mountain. I gave him his lead and kept looking back. The hare was standing on the back of my neck. We went down about 50 yards, I got off and looked hard up where we had come from. I didn't see anything but just got this feeling something was watching me as much as I was looking up. I got back on the horse and we headed back to my friend's ranch. When I got there I told him what happened. He never experienced anything like that but he said he had heard some strange noises on occasion. At the time, I wasn't much of a believer in Bigfoot, but since then I've done a lot of research and have become a full believer in the Sasquatch and have spent some time in the woods looking for tracks and or to sight one myself. I went back up there the next day and tied my horse, walked up past where we had stopped. I didn't find any tracks as the ground was dry and hard and had plenty of undergrowth but there were signs that something had passed through there. I have hunted and camped these mountains in southern Oregon for over 25 years and been a hunter all my life. Sometimes with a camera, sometimes with a gun. Now that I'm sort of retired. I am going on the hunt for Bigfoot myself. This is one mystery we need to define with absolute proof, one way or another.
When I was 18, 2005, my mom was giving me a ride to work. My car had got impounded for something stupid and I had to wait 30 days to get it back. In the meantime my mom was giving me rides to work. On Saturdays I worked morning shifts so I had to be at work by 5 am. That means we had to leave the house no later than 4.30. It was still dark outside like pitch black and very cold. That morning as my mom drive me to work, from a distance I could see a figure getting ready to cross the road basically jaywalk in front of us. As we got closer I can see it was a young girl. I thought to myself damn caught her doing the walk of shame lol. She had no shoes, a long white shirt like if she was wearing a man's white tee. It was big on her, it looked like she had no pants on but you could barely see she had these short jean shorts under her large shirt, like the kind that used to be pants but she cut herself to make shorts. She wasn't wearing shoes. My mom started talking shit. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com In Spanish, like what kind of girl walks around the streets at this hour dressed like that? She was walking now in the middle of the street super slow to the point my mom had to stop like 10 feet away from her because she was still in the street now blocking us. When my my mom stopped the girl came to a complete stop but wasn't facing us it was facing in the direction it was crossing crossing from my right to left. As we now were close, I could see her skin was a real bluish gray, her hair was black. It looked wet and tangled like she just got out the shower. My mom was about to honk at her when she slowly turns her head to look right at us. Her hair was covering her face. She looked like the girl from the ring. The part that I'll never forget was that she moved her hair out the way and she had no face. Like nothing, it was just all smooth. Like slender man, no eyes no mouth no nose. It just looked smooth. My mom started to have a panic attack. I literally felt my heart drop. I now was focused on calming my mom down. The girl looked at us for like 2 to 3 seconds then took of running. It didn't move at irregular speeds but now it was active. I never saw anything like that in my life. Till this day my mom and I can't explain what that was.
I guess I was sharing my story in hopes that maybe someone else has seen something similar. Something with no face. On August 29, 2009, I was fishing from a boat with my son on Raystown Lake, Pennsylvania. It was around 6.45 p.m. and we were making our way back to the landing. We were near the Snydertown portion of the lake where there is a point of land. As we were heading south, I looked toward the west shore after my son started to point at something. I really have no idea what this thing was but it looked like a large, thick black snake with a huge head that bobbed in and out of the water. I moved a little bit closer but my son was getting scared, so I cut the motor and looked through my binoculars. The body was moving in coils or humps up and down in the water. The creature had no fins like a fish and the head was diamond shaped. The weirdest feature was that the eyes, which were dark, somewhat small, and slanted, were not set on the side of the head, but placed forward. I got an excellent look through the binoculars, I'd say it was about 50 yards from us, when it raised up, its head moved side to side. It made no sound. I'd say it was at least 20 feet long. I have lived in Altoona, Pennsylvania for only a few years and this is only the second time I have fished this lake. I'm from Wisconsin and have fished many large lakes and rivers but I have never seen anything this big. We watched for about 2 to 3 minutes until it slipped under the surface. My son's description was very similar to mine but he said he noticed lighter colored whiskers or rays on the chin and face while looking through the binoculars. I had tried to take a photo with my cell phone but it just blended in with the water and was not discernible. This is nuts. My friends think we saw a large fish or mammal, but there is no way it's either. Please give me some guidance or resources to help identify this. I am skeptical of monsters, ghosts, UFOs, etc., and don't buy into much of what people describe on TV. But, now that I have seen something that I can't explain, let's say I'm confused and frustrated. I was visiting my grandparents last week, and I stayed a night. They have two guest rooms upstairs that no one ever sleeps in, and they never go up there, the two rooms are connected by one straight hallway, and there are two doors in the hallway, one will lead you down the stairs, and the other is the bathroom. Well I always sleep in the same bedroom when I visit because the bed is very comfortable and the bed in the other room is very squeaky. The upstairs AC is a window unit located in the room with a squeaky bed. So I always go in there to turn it on, and then I leave the bedroom doors open so my room gets cold as well. So anyways, I was laying in my bed, couldn't really sleep, when I heard the bed down the hall start squeaking. It sounded like someone was jumping on it, it was very loud. I got up and it was pitch black couldn't see a thing, I walked to the doorway of my room and said hello, instantly the squeaking stopped. And I turned the lights on and went in the room. The bed was a mess. It wasn't when I was in there ABT two hours before and no one had been in there. My grandfather's is a minister and am not sure what his beliefs are on ghosts or spirits. He has lived in that house for almost 30 years, I did not tell them what happened in fear they would think I was crazy. LOL. I just made the bed the next morning.
I'll share a story that a buddy of mine, who was also on the fire department with me, experienced something similar to what you and your mom went through. His encounter was even more unsettling. He described encountering a figure that had no face and possessed a blue-gray complexion. Strangely, he couldn't determine the gender of the entity, but he had a strong feeling that it was a she. When the figure turned towards him, he heard a piercing scream, but his child, who was asleep in the back, remained undisturbed. It seemed as though only he could hear it. As she pointed in his direction, my friend was about five feet away from her, or maybe he started further away and unknowingly moved closer. A few days later, we received a call for an unattended death. Upon arriving at the scene, we discovered that the deceased woman was wearing the same clothing as the figure my friend had encountered. She was dressed in baggy yellow pants and a bright blue shirt that had an unusual design, one rarely seen. The sight sent my buddy into a state of panic, and he had to retreat and wait by the truck. When the medical examiner arrived, they carefully handled the body, and it was during the process of rolling her over that we made a shocking realization. The woman had a nylon stocking placed over her face, further heightening the eerie connection between her and the figure my friend had encountered. The incident left us all shaken, contemplating the strange links between the supernatural encounter and the tragic death. It's one of those experiences that leaves you with more questions than answers, and it's something that we still discuss amongst ourselves, trying to make sense of it all. I grew up in East Texas on what was an old cotton plantation. Heck, the pine timber behind my house was terraced off down the hill from where the old cotton rows were once planted. Anyhow, I don't have time to go into all of the details, but trust me, there are things. Maybe spirits, maybe not, that do things that we cannot explain. I lived in terror in that house for five years. Things got so bad that my mother had her log of events notarized and signed by the realtor and an attorney prior to putting the house on the market. Lights switching on and off, dark shadows crossing the halls, an old black man standing at the foot of the bed with hollow eyes just staring through you. Carpenters that refused to work in the house after hearing mumbling voices, balls of white and blue light bouncing off the walls in rooms where there was none absolutely no outside source from plane, light etc. Ah! Deep breath. Okay, horrible smells that would move from room to room that smelled like death, it grabbed my dad who refused to believe this mess up until that point. I could go on and on and on. The believers will nod their heads while the naysayers spew their beer laughing. It's all fun and games until something happens to you that you can't explain. Good luck to the naysayers. I am sure you will rush back to this string for support if and when anything ever happens to you. Oh. And yes, the house sold three months after we sold it and has changed hands multiple times since. My mother ran into one of the previous owners, and he nearly broke down in tears when she asked him if anything weird ever happened while he lived there. Anyhow. That's a piece of my story. I lived it and it sucked. Me and my friend Cass decided to go on a drive about an hour ago because there was a spot I'd been looking at going to at night because it was secluded and a good spot to smoke in general. 
Around when we started talking about it he noted that he started smelling something sweet, cherries, and a hint of cigar. I was familiar with this entity as it's been around my room since I moved in back in 2020. It's not a malevolent entity and is actually quite kind. Cass stated that it felt like he'd been hugged and just overall felt comfortable with the entity around him. So we go on the drive and we're talking and all and we turn down the last road until the destination when I saw a tree down in the road. It didn't block the road completely but it was too narrow of a gap for my car to fit. Well, I knew a back road that led to the same destination so we turned around and headed down that way. It was a very wooded back road, no service, very few houses for miles and surrounded by trees. It was the type of road to only have one lane because of how unused it is. As I'm driving we're talking and we pass over a bridge. I pointed out as a spot I wanted to take him another time since it's just a neat area. Not long after we passed it, he said did you see that? It's a very curvy road so I initially assumed it was an animal as I hadn't seen anything. I asked what he saw and he said, it looked like something that crossed the road. Immediately I got an intense feeling of dread. I asked if he felt it too and he confirmed that he did so I stopped the car, took a moment, and immediately said we're not supposed to be here. He agreed and I turned around, heading back to where we just came. The dread got more intense but after crossing the bridge it eased but was still there. I stated that whatever it was isn't allowed to follow us home and it wasn't allowed on my property. It started to disappear and we kept seeing things along the road like shadows. As I was driving to the main road a white truck pulled up very fast to a stop sign on a side road almost as if out of thin air and pulled out behind us. I didn't take much note of it until I looked in my rear view and saw it tailing the hell out of us. I pointed it out and Cass said he didn't like the feeling he got from the truck. We got to the stop sign that lead out to the main road and I purposefully didn't turn my blinker on in case it was following us, but the truck did and it was turning the same way as us. After I made the turn I waited a few moments before looking back in the rear view and it was gone. It disappeared into thin air. The drive home was silent and Cass waited until we got back to talk about things he knew and should have thought of before we even got in the car. I was telling the story to a friend over Discord and asked Cass to describe the thing he saw on the road, asking if it walked on two legs or four. He said, it didn't have legs. It was brown and looked like a head that just crossed the road. Asking him about it now he said that it was tall, taller than the doorframe of my closet and he saw it from a distance so he didn't know what its body looked like. I asked if it could have been a bat and he emphasized that it couldn't have been. During the drive home, we both noted that it felt like there was a hand on each of our shoulders. He pointed out that the log in the road could have been a sign, not to go, as well as the friendly entity that appeared in my room beforehand. I'm thinking it's a certain W-word entity, names hold power and I will not refer to it by name, this happened in Alabama. I'll never forget the ghostly encounter I had at the Menger Hotel in San Antonio. It happened during a school trip back in high school, and little did I know, the hotel had a reputation for being haunted. I was about to discover this firsthand. Two other girls and I were assigned to share a room. It seemed like a typical hotel room, nothing out of the ordinary. However, 
As we settled in, I noticed a hairbrush placed on the bed near the foot end but away from the edge. It was a strange position, but I didn't think much of it at first. As I sat on the bed, engrossed in conversation with my friends, something unbelievable occurred. Out of nowhere, the hairbrush flew off the bed, landing on the floor. I was taken aback and couldn't help but laugh, jokingly suggesting that if the hotel was haunted, a mischievous ghost must have been responsible for the brush's sudden movement. The following day, I mentioned the incident to our teacher and some other students on the trip. To my surprise, they informed me that the Menger Hotel was indeed known for its paranormal activity, and the third floor, where we were staying, supposedly experienced the most ghostly encounters. It sent chills down my spine to think that we had been in the epicenter of the hotel's haunting. Curiosity peaked, I decided to conduct some research to confirm their claims. To my amazement, I discovered numerous accounts of ghostly encounters at the Menger Hotel, solidifying its haunted reputation. The stories ranged from apparitions wandering the halls to strange noises and unexplained phenomena. It was a revelation that left me both fascinated and slightly unnerved. As I gazed out of our room window, which provided a view of the historic Alamo, I couldn't help but wonder if the spirits of the past still roamed these corridors. The experience at the Menger Hotel taught me to approach the unknown with an open mind. Sometimes, the most unexpected encounters can occur in the most unlikely places. From that day forward, I developed a deep interest in the supernatural and the stories of haunted locations, always keeping an open ear to tales of the unexplained. Though my stay at the Menger Hotel was brief, the memory of that ghostly encounter remains etched in my mind, a reminder that there are mysteries beyond our understanding, waiting to be discovered, even in the most historic and renowned establishments. Early morning, December 16, 2009, at approximately 1.30 a.m., I witnessed a weird creature as I drove home from a holiday party. I live in western Maryland a few miles outside of Grantsville, Maryland, Garrett County. The sighting occurred only one mile from my house. I was completely sober since I cannot drink alcohol for medical reasons. As well, I was not tired since I had slept several hours before I went to the party. I was alone, though I had given a friend a ride to her home. I was traveling at the posted speed limit, maybe a bit less since I always watch for wildlife crossing the road after dark. I slowed down because there appeared to be an animal digging in some trash next to the right side of the road. It was 20 feet or so from my car. I slowed down to get a better look and noticed that the creature was too tall, upright, and bulky to be any animal that I have ever seen locally. I'd say about 4 feet tall and about 80 pounds. It was dark gray in color with long straight, coarse hair. Then it turned and stared at me with its large eyes set forward on its face that appeared bright red in the headlight. The paws were very unusual, almost like human hands with long fingers. It acted surprised that I was there but remained motionless staring back at me. The face was shaped a lot like a large rat but had a flat face. I didn't notice a tail. After several seconds it crouched down on all fours and scampered off in a long gate toward the woods nearby. I decided not to chase after it since I had a bad feeling about this thing. 
I told a police officer friend who told me that there was a similar sighting the winter before after a homeowner witnessed it feeding on a deer in their backyard. He said that I should file a report with state wildlife officials but I wanted to see if anyone could suggest an identity of the creature before I file the report. I've been keeping to myself for the past year, trying to make sense of the strange occurrences happening in my home. It all started with the bathroom lights turning on and off sporadically, without any explanation. At first, I brushed it off as an electrical glitch, but as time went on, more peculiar things began happening. One of the most unnerving experiences was my television turning on and off multiple times throughout the night. It happened so frequently that it disrupted my sleep and left me feeling unsettled. I tried to rationalize it, blaming it on faulty wiring or a malfunctioning remote, but deep down, I knew there was something more to it. Another odd incident involved my AC thermostat. Despite my family knowing how much I dislike returning home to a hot house after working outside, they assured me they hadn't touched the thermostat. Yet, time and time again, I found it switched off when I entered the house. It was a baffling situation, as if someone or something had a mischievous agenda. What struck me as even more peculiar was the synchronicity between my experiences and those of my sister. We had never discussed these strange occurrences, but somehow, they seemed to coincide. Shortly after my activity picked up, she claimed to have seen a lady walking past her bedroom door. It sent shivers down my spine to know that she was witnessing similar unexplained phenomena. One rainy evening, my sister and her husband were watching TV when their satellite signal suddenly went out. As they patiently waited for it to restore, they could hear a faint, muted conversation emanating from their bedroom. Intrigued and slightly alarmed, my sister went to investigate, but as soon as she reached the door, the voices ceased. These inexplicable events seemed to be happening to both of us, in different corners of the house. Over the years, strange happenings have become a regular occurrence for our family. While my wife was initially frightened by these occurrences, she has grown accustomed to them, realizing that nothing harmful or malevolent ever comes from them. However, it still gives her an eerie feeling, especially when I'm away from home. As for me, I'm left with more questions than answers. What is the source of these strange phenomena? Is there an unseen presence within our home, trying to make its presence known? I continue to search for explanations, but until then, I've come to accept that some mysteries may never be fully understood. The encounter occurred on July 6, 2005, at about 11.30 p.m. I had a long day in San Diego then afterward went to the beach at Del Mar, California for some surf fishing. I arrived at my home in San Marcos at about 11 p.m. After cleaning my fish and showering, I was very tired. I went out to my carport for a smoke and a look at the night sky. I looked north, thinking about a recent UFO sighting and wondering what it was all about. In the distance, at a couple hundred feet, I saw a faintly visible moving object that flitted from side to side. Whatever it was, it reflected light from the streetlights. Its side to side movement was so quick, I couldn't tell if it was one object or two. 
The object then zipped directly over my neighbor's house across the street. By this time, I was certain I'd never seen anything like it. It continued to move side to side, in a space of approximately 50 feet. It then stopped and I observed it more clearly. It may have had big eyes and wing-like appendages and was probably 2 to 3 feet in width. It remained still and I could see wavering reflections from its wings which were not beating like a bird but showed shimmering reflections from the streetlights. I felt the hair on my head rise all the way down my back to my ankles. It appeared to be looking at me, as I smoked my cigarette. I felt threatened, and said out loud, I see you. Then it went from stationary to out of sight, right over my head in an instant. I came out from under my covered carport and turned to follow its movement. Immediately, it zipped into view directly above my head, obviously studying me. I could see really weird large and intensely dark eyes. It seemed surprised by my looking right at it. It didn't like being seen. My apprehension rose even higher. It turned away and disappeared like a shot. It had a bird-like shape but was thicker. My impression was of reflections of the streetlights on wing-like appendages, and big dark eyes. It wasn't a bird, bat, or any familiar nocturnal creature. Its movements did not seem explicable in comparison to any creature that flies by beating its wings. The hills and mountains are so rugged and inaccessible near my home, that anything could remain hidden and make nighttime forays at will. I read about Thunderbirds but I'm not sure if this was one of these. I remember back in high school, my religion teacher shared some jaw-dropping stories with us. He claimed to have worked as an assistant to the local exorcist, involved in intense spiritual battles against the forces of darkness. It was an unexpected twist in our religious education, but it certainly grabbed our attention. He recounted encounters where he had direct conversations with the devil himself. These exchanges were chilling and unsettling, as he described the cunning and manipulative nature of the fallen angel. The things he heard during those interactions would send shivers down our spines. But it didn't stop there. My teacher went on to describe the physical manifestations that accompanied these exorcisms. He spoke of furniture being violently thrown across the room, as if an invisible force was wreaking havoc. The intensity of these encounters was like something out of a horror movie. What intrigued us even more was the revelation that most of the people who required exorcism were practitioners of Satanism. It seemed that their involvement in dark rituals and worshipping the devil had invited malevolent entities into their lives. As unsettling as it was to hear, it reinforced the importance of spiritual discernment and the need for protection against evil influences. Those stories stayed with me long after high school. They challenged my beliefs and made me question the existence of supernatural forces. While I couldn't fully comprehend or verify the authenticity of my teacher's experiences, they served as a reminder of the constant struggle between good and evil that transcends the boundaries of our physical world. Whether or not one believes in the paranormal, these stories opened up discussions and expanded our understanding of faith, spirituality, and the power of belief. It was a unique and unforgettable chapter in my high school experience, where the lines between reality and the supernatural blurred, leaving us with more questions than answers.
This happened nine years ago in the early spring when I was 15 years old, spring 2014. I was at a friend's house in corn country about an hour north of Indianapolis. Nowadays I am very familiar with the paranormal slash unexplained having multiple shared experiences with friends, but at the time I was a major skeptic. I didn't fully process what we saw until years later. I came over to my friend's house to hang out like any other time. I brought my pellet gun, he had one as well, so we could shoot some moles on his farm property. After a while, his brother joined us and we eventually got bored of looking for moles. There was a patch of woods about the size of two football fields a little over a mile away completely surrounded by empty cornfields with no access points from the nearby road. The three of us decided to walk out there because why not? We were bored kids looking for fun. We put on some boots and headed out with our pellet guns. The walk wasn't super far but it took us a while to reach the woods because all the spring rain from earlier in the week made the empty field a big mud pit. So muddy your foot disappears with each step. Then right as we walked through the brush surrounding the edge of the woods we saw it. The best way I can describe this thing is it was a raccoon that was built like a Great Dane. We had seen coyotes and wolves before and this was not that. It 100% looked like the biggest raccoon we had ever seen. We could tell we caught it off guard because it was just standing there on all fours grooming itself and then it immediately locked eyes with us when one of us pointed at it and said, look at that thing. There were a couple of seconds where we just looked at it as it looked back at us before it quickly turned around and scaled a 60 feet tree. We lost sight of it in the canopy. We then looked at each other and were like WTF was that? We talked about how the way it climbed the tree was what freaked us out the most. It only took a few strides up the tree using its front two paws to grab a spot on the tree to lift and launch itself up the tree. The arms were freakishly long and lanky looking when it climbed. It honestly looked somewhat human in the way it articulated its arms as it climbed. Like its elbows jutted out to the sides as it pulled itself up. We talked about how freaky that was some more and decided to keep looking around because even though we were spooked, it was intriguing and we wanted to see if there was any other freaky stuff around. There definitely was. The woods were littered with easily over 100 animal carcasses slash bone piles. Most of them were cows, raccoons, and opossums. There was one spot, maybe 25 by 25 feet, that had at least a dozen cow carcasses ranging from just the bone left to one that looked less than a week old. They were definitely being eaten by something with huge chunks of flesh missing. I know cows get loose all the time but damn if this didn't look like a feeding spot. My theory is this thing was stealing cows from local farms for food, there are a couple within 5 miles. We also found a man-made small pond near the middle of the woods, which couldn't have been more than 6 feet wide. A shovel and plastic bucket was sitting next to it. Once we found that we're pretty freaked out again and decided we better head back because we had less than two hours of daylight left and there was a lot of thick deep mud to slowly walk through to get back. That's pretty much it. At the time it freaked me out a bit but looking back now, knowing what skinwalkers are, I'm just happy we came back completely unscathed. Unfortunately, I don't hang out with those guys anymore and I tried to go back with some different friends somewhat recently only to see that the woods had been cleared out and there was nothing there. 
I thought I was tripping out but I looked on Google Earth and I could see in its place was dirt and log piles. Probably an omen to not chase this thing, I'll take it at face value. I haven't heard of the dog man but this thing didn't look like a dog slash coyote at all. I just used Great Dane as a size comparison as it was freakishly large to be looking like a raccoon. Yes, it had a striped tail like a raccoon. It had the face of a raccoon, specifically the large black spots around its eyes. Stubby almost rounded ears like a raccoon. It had bushy fur like a raccoon. We saw it very clearly with no obstructions from about 30 to 40 feet away. It was early spring and the brush inside the canopy was still dead. I used to hunt in Leon County at my family's old homestead that has been around since the late 1800s. The A-frame house that my grandmother was born in is still standing, it was built in 1920 I believe, and I would drive in from College Waco and spend the night while hunting down there. We were always scared to be alone in that house just because of all the old furniture and pictures etc. I fell asleep on the couch one night when a norther was blowing through, I remember awaking briefly thinking it had gotten cold but fell right back to sleep. In the morning, when I woke up, I had an old quilt draped over me this was not a quilt that would have just been draped over the couch, in fact my mother confirmed later that she had that quilt put up in a closet it sounds crazy, but I have no other explanation. I had no recollection of ever getting up. I'm a believer in guardian angles, and that is all I can sum this experience up to. Needless to say, it was several years before I stomached up the nerve to sleep alone in that house again. My mom, dad, and cousin each have a story that take place on the same patch of road in Mexico. I'll tell them as they were relayed to me individually. My parents actually met here in the United States but they grew up in neighboring pueblos in Mexico. Connecting the two pueblos is a long empty span of road, maybe 5 miles? Long, which is apparently haunted. These stories take place many years apart, but on the exact same patch of road. When my dad was a young man, he loved horses, jaripeos, and drinking. While he has since put down the bottle, he still loves horses and jaripeos lol but back in the day he would occasionally ride his horse out across the road to the neighboring pueblo to hang out or hit up some parties. One early morning, he was returning home on horseback from a party in the neighboring pueblo. He was a bit drunk and was just casually making his way home when suddenly the air grew still and the night went silent. He said something just felt off and his horse could sense it as well. My dad says that you can always tell what a horse is focusing on by looking at their ears, and in this case my dad's horse's ears were perked up stiff and focusing at the empty field beside them as well as all around them. Thinking that there might be some sort of animal stalking them, my dad looked around but the fields beside them were empty and there weren't any bushes or things for an animal to hide behind. Suddenly the air went cold and my dad felt goosebumps on the back of his neck almost as if something was right behind him. That's when my dad's horse couldn't take it anymore and took off running for its life. My dad held on tightly and tried several times to bring the horse to a stop but it was dead set on getting the hell away from whatever they had just encountered. 
Eventually they finally reached their pueblo and the horse calmed down and came to stop. Never before or after had the horse behaved that way and it left my dad shook up. Needless to say, he was sober by the time he reached home.